Hey friends, uh, welcome from wherever you are watching or listening. And we're excited to spend an hour with you. I'm gonna introduce you to a friend in a minute, but my name, my name is Todd Proctor and I serve on the national leadership team of a ministry called Alpha here in the US. And I'm a longtime pastor. I, I live in Orange County. So while many of you are in the midst of ongoing snowmageddon, I know my friend Craig, who you'll meet is in that boat right now with several feet of snow. We have perpetual 70 degrees and sun. So we're, we're suffering greatly in, on the West Coast. But I'm uh, just excited to have a conversation about what God is doing in this moment. This is an incredible moment for the church, incredibly challenging, but also the opportunities to, to rebuild um, on what we know now are, are huge. And I think the conversation we're going to have today is, is really relevant to that. Um, with me is my friend, Craig Springer. Craig leads Alpha USA. And Craig also um, has an incredible background in working in local church, helping lead and build at that level. Um, but Craig recently wrote a book that uh, we were talking before this call that really is a summary of what we've watched God doing both through Alpha, but also in the church, in our country over the last several years. It was written in collaboration with a great study we did with Barna called Reviving Evangelism. And this book is called How to Revive Evangelism. We're excited about this. It just captures so many important thoughts and questions and convictions for right now, but we're just more excited about what God's doing in his church and the part we get to play in it. So Craig, welcome. Um, you're, you're inside now. You're walking to work when we were on the phone. <laughs> yeah, puffy jacket and all, Todd. Nice. Yeah, but you're, you're safe, you're warm, and you're ready to engage. Yeah. Um, and tell us a little about your background. Give us some context for, for how you came to, to take this role in leading Alpha USA. Yeah, thanks, High Exponential Friends. I grew up in the Chicago area. My father was a Jewish attorney in, down, attorney in downtown Chicago. My mom wanted to make sure that we had nothing to do with his um, Judaism and big, big sort of family faith fracture as I was growing up. So we went to a traditional church in town. I hated it. Nothing against that church. It just, whatever was in my heart, I just turned into completely kind of rebellious teenage years, got to the end of that and felt completely empty and, started praying and saying, God, if you're real, I need purpose. I need help, you know, show me. And a friend invited me to a wonderful church. And I heard the message from John chapter four, Jesus is a living water. If you come to me and never thirst again. And I just said yes to Jesus. And it was a dramatic shift from the sense of no purpose to his purpose, his presence, his fulfillment. And really from that time, I, I kind of an extremist, by temperament and just said, okay, my whole life is about helping people find Jesus. Cause that was all that I had in, in those days. And, and that took me to pastoral leadership in a couple of large churches in, in, in Chicago and Denver um, did spend a few years overseas planting a church in, in Prague, Czech Republic, which is and was known as one of the most atheist nations on the planet. And that dichotomy of this, big, just if you build it, they will come 20,000 plus church setting that I'd come from to baptizing one person in three years um, led to this heart for evangelism where um, 
in post post-Christian settings and just how can we be effective at that? And, and, um, you know, maybe we'll get into it more, but you know, that's what drew me to alpha is this, this ministry that seemed to be flourishing, particularly in post-Christian diverse settings. And I wanted to know what was working behind it. Yeah. And I'll vouch for just as, as your friend, you are a passionate guy and you will, wherever you're aimed, you're going to go full on. And, and evangelism is something that has been a big part of your story before you ever came to serve in this role in leading alpha, which is a tool that serves many, many churches to create space for evangelism. This was just something you were deeply passionate about. Um, and, and I know also Craig, you're passionate about the church. You've, you've had a chance to, to lead in and serve in, in several church contexts speak just in general. Why is it so important for the church to awaken to this call to evangelism, uh, you know, maybe more than in our lifetimes. What, 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 why do we need to be in this conversation right now? Yeah. Well, I mean, as followers of Jesus, we're all called to the great commission and it doesn't matter whether if it's a pandemic or a cultural shift or persecution, we are called to, fulfill the great commission to go after the one um, while we're also of course caring for the 99, but to go after the one. And I just think God's uniquely put that in my heart. What's been challenging for churches over these last handful of decades is there has been a cultural shift underneath the radar for some and now out in full measure for all of us to see. And we've shifted shifted from, you know, using maybe some of David Kinnaman's terminology from faith from exiles, a, a more Christianized or culturally Christian environment where people were assumed they would go to a church. The primary evangelism strategy was just doing good church. People will show back up and will do sort of come, come, come back home to Jesus um, altar calls. And, and of course, that's still working and, and hopefully will continue to work. But culture has shifted from this Christianized Jerusalem and ministries designed for Christianized Jerusalem to much more of a post-Christian secularized Babylon, mm. where it's it's assumed to the opposite, where people ask the question, why would you go to church? You know, it's seen by many as, as part of the extremist problem in our oncoming um, society. And so a lot of those shifts have translated. It's just a demographic demographic statement to say that we're increasingly post-Christian. It just means that less and less people are growing up with a with a parent who has a faith heritage that they're passing on. But it's translated, and John Mark Comer has used the term to post everything. It's post-family. The family unit it, it has broken down some, and people are longing for intimate connection where they're not getting that from their families. It's it's post-technology where people have gone from having uh, relationships in person to now friending online. And yet we're finding so many studies that say that is lacking. People are longing for deep conversational space as much as intimate belonging. And um, it's even post-supersize where our sort of church growth strategies of the 80s, 90s, 2000s are having less and less of an impact on reaching people without a legacy of faith in their background. They're just unwilling in many contexts to show up to our large gatherings. What they're often looking for are spaces, smaller spaces for conversation. That's not to say our large gatherings aren't working, but they're not working for some. There's there's millions in our communities that are longing for more than what we can offer in a 
kind of one directional preach at setting alone. Mm. You know, as these shifts are happening, and by the way, if you're just joining us, we want to welcome you. We're, we're having a conversation uh, around my friend Craig Springer's book, uh, How to Revive Evangelism. But we're really just talking right now about the shifts that are happening in our nation, in, in our culture, in the church. There's even been some generational shifts. Obviously, you know, most of us know that we're losing our future. You know, in the words of one friend, we're hemorrhaging the generation that's supposed to carry the church forward. But one of the challenges is there's been a shift, and this really came out in our study, Reviving Evangelism. Um, and Craig, I'd love for you to reflect on this. There's been a shift in the perception of even evangelism or witnessing or sharing our faith itself in millennials. Can you talk about that? Yeah, the eye-catching stat, which formed some of the basis around the book, How to Revive Evangelism, is that 40% of millennial Christians per, uh, reported that they believe evangelism is wrong. So uh, that's millennial Christians. They're not saying it's difficult. They're not saying it's undesirable. They're saying, I actually think it's wrong. It's almost half of the 20 and 30 somethings generation right now. And we have to understand that. We have to get to the bottom of that. Is it just an entitled um, sort of self-fulfillment millennial generation who doesn't want to have a difficult conversation, doesn't want to be bold for Christ, or maybe even more so has lost a commitment to the substitutionary atonement of Jesus. And so we asked those questions and what balanced out some of our findings is that 94% of millennial Christians said that the best thing can ever happen to anyone is that they would come to know Jesus. And so you have to sit with that for a while. And, and we did further studies to figure out more detail, but how could half say it's wrong, but almost entirely say, but the best thing is for someone to know Jesus. Well, what we found are, Millennials reported they're more confident and feel equipped at sharing their faith than extras, boomers, and elders. That's, that's sort of self-described, but they, they feel confident in knowing what to do or what to say. They have more relationships with non-Christians outside of the church than any of your private, prior generation, so they're more connected. And they reported their experience of our culture is that it's a disagreement equals judgment culture. And that's up 100% over what Gen Xers reported. And you didn't need me to tell you that or our big data. It is obvious when we engage online or even in friendship now on any topic related to faith in Christ, certainly with politics, it, it forms this massive barrier of relationships, shuts relationships down. People retreat to echo chambers and throwing sort of verbal hand grenades at one another. And so the question is, how do you effectively share your faith in this, you know, polarizing time. And millennials truly are more connected and aware of what's working, what isn't. So I believe that what is behind that statistic are millennials saying, we need a methodology that works for our time, not a new message, but a new methodology. It's sort of like we've been handed cassette tapes of evangelism strategy, but our whole friendship network or listening to Spotify playlists, like help us, help us find what's working now. Hmm. Yeah. As you talk about methodologies, it, it feels like the church has really been oriented around some methodologies that are becoming less and less helpful. One of them, just Sundays in general. I mean, obviously there's so much that can happen on Sundays, but relying on Sundays alone to be that place where people outside the church can be awakened to Jesus 
Um, even before COVID, that was had diminishing returns. But now it feels like um, you know, a recent statistic said that the you know vast majority of churches are spending their vast majority of time and resource on just pulling off another weekend right now. And it's, you know, this is a challenging season for the church, a deeply discouraging, disorienting season for leaders. But if that's our only investment, um, we're really missing opportunities to to create other spaces. And the other default beyond just Sundays has been assuming that if I can just get my friend, my neighbor, my, my relative, uh, you know, the Starbucks barista I'm in conversation with to hear my pastor preach, that's going to do the work of evangelism. And I, you have, you have a great chapter, Craig, that reflects conversations we have all the time with churches exploring alpha, that there's certainly nothing wrong with proclamation. Um, in fact, proclamation is needed in, in a time when so many are seeking truth but we can't rely on proclamation alone. We have to create conversations. We have to create space for conversations. Reflect on that, just how important it is to, in whatever the church is being rebuilt to become, to have these spaces for conversations that lead people to Jesus. Yeah, and I wanna reiterate what you're saying. Our Sunday gatherings or our outreach events, whatever it is we're inviting people to, that preach the gospel are essential and important. I believe in them. Never stop doing it. You know, call people forward or to click yes. I want to accept Jesus on an online service. Romans 10, 14 is true. You know, how will they hear unless we tell them? We have to proclaim the truth. The fact, as you just stated, is that it's not working for everyone. Increasingly, less and less people are willing to show up to our weekend services or outreach events um, they, it will work and some and many will continue to show up. So again, I'm not de-emphasizing that, but as a standalone strategy or the primary strategy will be increasingly less and less effective. People just won't be showing up to our seats or our online broadcasts. And it's because what are people longing for? And we found in this reviving evangelism study, the number one factor adult Christians, or I'm sorry, adult non-Christians in America are longing for uh, reported high above any other factor is someone who they can talk to about faith, who listens without judgment, someone who doesn't force me to draw a quick conclusion. And on the flip side, they reported the least helpful or more ineffective qualities are Christians who have all the answers to questions about faith are great at debating topics. And so you just kind of look through our training strategies around evangelism, our approaches, and even our kind of weekend service delivery model alone for evangelism and say, we may be not fulfilling the desires of what spiritually curious non-Christians are asking for. They're asking for a place to be heard. They're asking for a space of conversation. And we have few of those in our church strategies. We have small groups, but you know, those are primarily Christian discipleship methods and a non-Christian showing up in that will quickly feel like an out outsider for whom this is not designed for and won't want to return. So that's the the ultimate question is where in our church strategy do we have space for conversation for outsiders? Where can they come if they have more questions than just the Sunday sermon can answer? You know, who can they talk to that will will handle those questions in that relationship with care effectively? And so, you know, our approach is, is an additive approach. Let's not deconstruct proclamation. 
Let's ensure that we're adding a space for conversation. And it's all built around the, the methodology of Jesus. He asked 307 questions. He was asked 183 questions, and he only directly answers eight questions in the Gospels. So he's 40 times more likely to draw someone out in further, uh, longer-term conversation, getting at what's in their heart and mind, than he is to just preach it. And that's convicting for me, having been a pastor who just preached it, and an evangelist who just you know, preached it for many years. I think on the evangelism training front, we can review our training around evangelism and say, are we raising up the very best listeners on the planet? When we think of evangelism training, is it 40 times more about listening and creating space for conversation than about just getting our knowledge across? Mm -hmm. David Augsburger, a professor and author, says that being heard is so close to being loved that to the average person, they can it's indistinguishable. And so just that's that question. If we want to create that space where people can be loved, where we can slow down the jump towards hostility and judgment and, and perceived polarization, draw people out in conversation, that, that's ultimately what we're aiming at as a space for listening among our church strategy. And that's what we've created in Alpha. It really is a conversation series designed over time. And it doesn't need to be alpha though. It can be just study the gospel of John or watch a, a different film, but train hosts and helpers in these group settings to listen and let people come with their doubts and questions and disbelief and hostility and hurt and share. And mm -hmm. it's, it's powerful what happens. Now they're getting proclamation through our alpha film series, but we're creating space for conversation in these groups designed for the outsider. Hmm. You know, uh, as you're talking about creating space for not just questions, but hostility, we have a mutual friend in New York that leads a church there that described the gift Alpha was to his community to ab absorb hostility. And so often is Jesus followers, you know, for many of the right reasons, we're, we're tempted to want to fight back and, you know, fight back with our answers. And it's, it's not that our answers are any less true than they've ever been, but creating that space to not only welcome, but take the punches just feels important because I don't know, at least in my life, there's ever been a time when people have had more questions about not just politics or pandemics, but the church and, and you know, the, the baggage being carried. One of the gifts, um, and you talk about this in a chapter that describes moving from just a pastor-focused or sermon-focused evangelism strategy alone towards really empowering the whole church towards evangelism from me to we. One, one of the great gifts of Alpha that we just hear tons of stories about is there are people that really are wired to listen without judgment, to, to just be incredibly hospitable. And um, talk about that, Craig, how there's a unique opportunity in this moment. And what I keep thinking of is a rebuilding moment to really put evangelism in the hands of everyone and really highlight gifts in churches that maybe haven't been in focus before. Yeah, I think there's, there are, when I was, was leading in, in larger church settings, you know, people would ask me, what's your evangelism strategy? And I, had an answer to that question, but I think internally I always struggled to really know what it was. I mean, well, we're just going to get the gospel out, you know, and, or, but ultimately it was, well, I'm the strategy for evangelism primarily, embarrassingly, but 
the goal is you, the congregant, get a friend or an acquaintance to the weekend service and I'll preach it up. And um, hopefully over time, they'll keep coming back until they say yes to one of our invitational response moments. Or it's we're going to train people in in um, personal evangelism curriculum, which is all of these are awesome, too, by the way. I, I, I never suggest slowing down at this stuff. But what I found primarily with personal evangelism equipping is it motivated and 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 equipped those that had the gift of evangelism or were obvious sort of bold extroverts in their congregation. And they would go out and do their thing. They bring more people in. But what we found both in those church settings um, and then clarifying with some Barna data before, 4% of our congregations have people with the gift of evangelism and the top three spiritual gifts, 4%. <laughs> and all the pastors out there are thinking, oh yeah, that makes sense. I totally agree. Now we don't want that. We want every, everyone's called to be an evangelist. And, and the question is, how do we equip and mobilize the other 96%? Just like we're all called to intercessory prayer. I do not have the gift of intercessory prayer, but every day I should be in intercession. And just the same for those that aren't gifted in, as evangelists. And so, you know, we really have developed this approach to evangelism. It's, it's listening-based. It creates belonging before people are required to believe in this community. But it's a small group experience. And you, you might categorize it as small group evangelism. And it's really based out of Jesus showing up to Levi's tax collector party, you know, wild, raucous, tax collector, riffraff, uh, any, you know, Jesus totally outnumbered by outsiders the, to the faith at the table and engage them in conversation. And we can only assume, you know, many of them finally said yes to Christ. But um, in our approach to small group evangelism, you actually don't need or want a, a master teacher evangelist, a trained apologist hosting those gatherings. You really want just someone who's emotionally intelligent, who's friendship connected outside the church, who's a great host and conversationalist. You know, someone who any of you listening would trust your closest non-Christian friend to hang out with for an evening because, you know, they're not going to mess it up. <laughs> and it just equip that person with questions. And we're watching a film series. So our invitation to an alpha group is, hey, do you want to watch this great documentary film series about life and faith? And, you know, pre-COVID, it's and we'll have a great meal around that. And then we'll just, ch we'll just chat and, and you get to share your thoughts and no one's going to correct you around the table. Um, it opens people up. And then the average non-gifted in evangelism Christian can easily host this. The invitation is to a dinner party or an online discussion time. And they don't need to have all the answers to the questions. They just need to be able to say things like, tell me more. Or that's an interesting thought. Can anyone else relate? Or where does that come from in, in your own life and background? I'd love to hear more. And creates that space for conversation to people to begin vocalizing what they think or don't think. Hmm. You know, it, it strikes me that when I was leading a church here in Orange County that was 
first exploring Alpha, and I was one of the many, many church leaders that was kind of skeptical about a, a tool coming in from the outside that um, wasn't something we had come up with on our own. But as I began to watch it work, which didn't happen overnight, and one thing is anybody maybe on this webinar is is exploring Alpha, it's, it's not a quick fix because it's about creating culture. And your book really reflects that, Craig, that this isn't this isn't just about running a course. This is about becoming a certain kind of people. Um, but I began to watch that happen around this idea of hospitality. But I was also um, surprised to see a lot of the people that were new to faith, um, a lot of people that were still pretty raw and figuring it out, became the best hosts, became the best you know servers on the course. And that's something I think you've seen too, as you've led Alpha in many contexts, is this has a unique ability and there's a unique opportunity for churches to put people in play that don't have it all figured out, um, but can sometimes be the best listeners and and host the best conversations. Have you seen yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, it's like Levi, you know, he was one day um, embezzling his own people, betraying his own people, likely you know, drinking a bunch of Jerusalem wine and, and um, hanging out with his other crazy buddies. And Jesus said, Hey, you know, throw a party. I'll show up. And, and mm -hmm. I think it's important that everyone hears this isn't about alpha. This is, this is about culture needing spaces for conversation and, and churches equipping um, congregants for effective listening and, and, and conversation rather than just preachers to become known as the very best listeners on the planet, like Jesus. It's about creating circles where people can belong before they believe. Now, we want to we wanna assume that our church provides that already, but if we really look through the lens of an outsider, um, you know, we have weekend services, we have Christian small groups, and we primarily equip individual Christians, you know, go out and make friendships and either share the gospel with them, get them to cross the line of faith, or invite them to church. And the point being, that's just not going to work for some increasingly so in our, in our culture. So can we create circles of belonging that are geared towards exploring faith, whether it's Alpha or not, where people are listened to, where their life story is embraced as messy as it is? And Todd, I think you told me recently, like the very best groups start when the F-bombs start, start flying. Not by the host. You don't have to do it yourself, but it's like, let people be real. Let them belong before they believe. And, and if it's just to our sort of class, classes structure in church, they're going to feel like, oh, I'm on foreign territory here. You know, I'm not able to really share what I think. And that means that part of their heart and life is, is being sort of hidden from the power of the transformation of the gospel. So I'm trying to create those spaces for belonging that can be hosted and led by very uh, new to faith, raw in faith, don't have it all together people, which really likely describes most people in our, in our churches, if we're honest. And we're trying to unleash this, this approach because it's what we're seeing cultures crying out for space for conversation, space for belonging. Um, and, you know, you, you might think, well, but where do you, you know, tell everyone about the five ontological reasons why God exists? And where do you ensure that someone is grasping the concept of absolute truth versus universalism? And, and where do you share the gospel? Well, 
We do share that. So we gather these groups around a film series that gradually walks through the basics of the Christian faith. And that's fair. You could, you could but again, you could use the Gospel of John, um, another film, whatever. The key is listening, belonging, space for outsiders. I was really taken by, I won't remember the exact address of the verse, Leviticus 14, I think it says, um, treat the foreigners among you as native born citizens, says the Mm -hmm. Lord, um, because you too were in Egypt. And if Mm -hmm. you think about that through the lens of our spiritual heritage right now, are we creating spaces in our own personal lives and certainly in our churches and in our evangelism strategies where someone who feels like a foreigner to faith, not living the life, no, no connection to a church, can step into our lives or step into our churches or step into our evangelism spaces and feel like this was made for me. You know, I'm native born here. They're welcoming me all the way into the middle, to the to the friendship, to the the time together. And that's where we're encouraging churches to create. And Alpha is just a, an easy sort of plug and play scalable way of doing that. It's not immediate impact, but that's what we're trying to encourage people to, to create. That's good. And, you know, Alpha alongside any other curriculum or program, it, um, it's most effective when it becomes more than that, when it becomes a culture. And I know for you, Craig, you know, you've, you've, seen a lot of instances across our nation where um, what started is, hey, we're going to try this and then trying to figure it out has become lives, not only of people ex- coming know Jesus, but Jesus followers whose lives are radically different and and who are starting to model that, that culture of listening, creating space beyond just church experiences. And you've been on that journey, even personally, you know, what I love about you is this is something that's it's deeply personal to you. And I know you and your wife, Sarah, even recently moved your house. You're, you're working hard to create space for those kind of moments and conversations in your own life. You want to share about that? Yeah. I think of, again, I think of, you know, what's a good next step for relationships I'm building. I, I, we're only, I think seven or eight months into our sort of new um, community that we're living in downtown Denver. And I, joined a rock climbing gym, go there with my son. I'm, I'm, I'm a son's PE teacher during COVID. So I said, okay, we're going to go rock climbing a few times a week. So we go to this gym and I sparked up a relationship with the people that work there. And, and um, I mean, in downtown Denver, they would be like the type of people that would show up to Levi's tax collector party. Use your imagination. And I love my church. It's urban focused. It's definitely geared towards uh, welcoming space for non-Christians. There is no way I can invite these people to our church services. I mean, we're trying to go deep. We're worshiping. And there's nothing wrong with that. And and there and for some people, there will be a good invitation that can work uh, to bring to church. But I just know these relationships. It's not a good next step. And um, my next door neighbors, I'm just, you know, saying who they are. They're a gay married couple with adopted children. We've had them over for dinner multiple times. We're friends. We, have, you know, sheriff, we're in a city. So it's like our backyards, we do life together. And um, we're really beginning to form a strong bond. And I know based on conversation with them, they will not set foot into my church. 
And so what can I invite these relationships? These are, this is a true post-Christian reality, you know, and I'm, I'm gearing up. We're about to launch a new alpha um, in just a few weeks. I'm gearing up to make invitations to them to say, Hey, I'm, you know, throwing this conversation series. We're going to watch these films. Do you want to give it a shot with me? And I'm confident that they'll say, yes, maybe not this round, but I'm going to keep doing it every round. And I just, we need another outlet for invitation for people. Um, I don't even remember what your question was. I think it was just, you know, how well, are you engaging in this? But. That's such a good reminder, Craig, that and you know, most of us on this webinar are here probably listening for our churches. You know, the reviving evangelism is written around a perspective of how do we help the church, but it's also about us and our lives. And um, I know in my personal experience, and I think statistically this is true, probably the biggest barrier for anybody towards evangelism is I'm afraid I won't have the right answer. I just won't know what to say and how to say it. And what I'm hearing you speak about and what we see so often alpha is the good news is God has the right answer, but we can just listen well, draw them out and trust. Um, not that there aren't answers, but that's not what we need to start with. And that's can be liberating, but also this idea of just hospitable listening relationships earn the right for invitations to something like Alpha or church or next steps. And mm-hmm. it's good for us to, to remember that this it's not just about what our church is doing, it's what we're doing. That's what I'm hearing right now, God say to me. Yeah. Um, and that sparked a thought, Todd, because we also found in our reviving evangelism study, one of the number one factors that a non-Christian's report will cause them to be more open to exploring the Christian faith is if they had an eye-opening spiritual experience themselves. And um, we often in our evangelism have considered it to be an information transfer. We want to get the doctrine across, uh, which is important. But what we're inviting people to is a relationship with the risen Savior, not a creed of beliefs, ultimately. Um, and again, we want them to, to know the creed and, and we'll share that, but we just want to make sure we're not eliminating the experience of God's presence as part of the evangelistic journey. And so very simply, you know, what role does prayer play? Not, not even just private prayer, but prayer with the person that we're sharing with or prayer in these group experiences around faith. And, you know, we've, we've really leaned heavily into that, that Romans 1.16 says the, um, the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of those who believe. It's not the explanation of men. And so by creating these spaces for listening, now, again, they're hearing the gospel very clearly through the film series or whatever you're walking them through is the content. But we're creating a, a listening environment on the back end for um, discussion time. Uh, but we often get to a point where we, where we just acknowledge if God's real is going to show up, if you want more than just an intellectual ascent, try praying. And let's just say, come Holy Spirit and see what happens. And, and many of my friends who are now Christians were very thoughtful, intellectual um, people, you know, engineers, uh, police officers, you name it. it, just ultimately said, I can't figure this out, but God, if you're real, show up. And, and slowly this just sense of warmth and, and, elimination of anxiety and ultimately they said i believe in jesus and i can't even i I don't even know how i i got to this point but we we want to make sure we're introducing people to an experience of god's presence as part of the process is is the key point 
Yeah, that's a big one. Um, you know, we have a one of many catchphrases that are so true about Alpha is it's it's kind of designed to fail unless God shows up. And it would be hard to even understand that until you've experienced an Alpha course, but there is so much room created for either awkwardness or God's going to do something. But it's fascinating too, that as we hear stories, I, I think of trips, Craig, you and I have taken to London, um, which is this church, Holy Trinity Brompton is the birthplace of the Alpha course. And one thing I've always taken confidence in as a pastor is that it flows not just from some organization, but from a local church where it was just birthed as a tool there that wasn't honestly remarkable in terms of content, but there was something remarkable God was doing because God was showing up in these conversations. And still, when we go over there and take leaders over there, that's the story is, is they'll interview guest after guest. It's, it's rarely about a, a shift intellectually. There seems to be a shift spiritually. And I experienced God. I experienced God's love. I experienced community an experience of something that they'd never experienced before. Now, that is intention, and there's a question um, that I want to tee up that's come from the audience that is one we hear often, um, and I think it's worth addressing. And, and the question is this, it's, you know, Jesus didn't say, go and listen. He's, he said, preach, which means th this audience member says, preach means herald in the original language. We need to herald with boldness and let the word do its job. What, what do we think about this? He's quoting Mark 16, 15. So Craig, any thoughts on this tension between listening, but also boldly preaching or heralding? Yeah, um, we think about gardening and what is required for a seed to germinate. And it's gonna be different depending on the soil that it's planted in. And I'm not drawing a metaphor to the, the four soils parable of Jesus, but, but the, the idea that, you know, some soils you can just toss a seed in and, and boop, you know, it's going to, it's going to sprout. Some you have to till, some you have to pull the rocks out. Some you have to change the chemical compound of the soil. And so the idea is that, and, and you see Jesus approaching different people in different ways. Some with some recipients, he preached, he confronted boldly. Usually those were the Pharisees, those that thought they had it religiously figured out. But to others, you know, even the, the first encounter in John chapter one with the disciples, John the Baptist says, look, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. And, and John the Baptist disciples start following Jesus. And um, Jesus has this moment in that time because the concept, the Lamb of God is loaded with messianic uh, interpretation. And Jesus could have given a five point sermon on what it meant that he was the Messiah and, and how that was gonna look. And instead uh, the disciples say, well, what do you, you know, where are you staying? And he said, well, come on and see. He didn't give them a, a full on sermon in that moment. He said, journey with me over time, spend more time with me. I want you to walk this out together in relationship. And, and the fact is, Jesus preached, but like I said, it, it, I don't know if you were able to hear a little earlier, Jesus asked 307 questions. He um, was asked 183 questions. He only directly answers eight in the gospel. So in, in practice, Jesus is doing far more listening and question asking than he is preaching sermons. Now, should we preach? Yes. Should we share the gospel, you know, the death, 
the burial, the resurrection, the substitutionary atonement through Jesus Christ alone. Yes, 100%. Yes, yes, yes. Should we do it in um, church services, outreach services, online delivery? Absolutely. The point I'm trying to make is increasing our culture's soil is more and more difficult to reach through just preaching alone. We have to, in some ways, earn the right to for our comments to be heard. We have to calm the inflammatory defense mechanisms in people's hearts, which are there sometimes for unfounded reasons, sometimes for very, very understandable reasons, ways people have been mistreated by the church or by people who are using the name of Christ or the hypocrisy is very visible in our church. We need to listen in order to keep people at a table long enough that the questions will go from the head. And so many of you know, the questions aren't just intellectual. They're in the heart. They're in, they're in the hurts. And when we create spaces, listening um, tills the soil enough of someone's heart that in a gentle, timely way, uh, ultimately they'll say yes to Jesus. And, and what we found in our alpha groups is that 82% of the non-Christians who go through this whole experience report developing a relationship with Jesus on the other side. It's potent. We had last year, even doing this online, and, and by the way, all these lenses, space for conversation, space for experience of Christ, space for belonging, can happen in a digital environment too. It doesn't have to be in person. You know, our digital evangelism strategies don't need to be just one directional broadcasting. They can be digital conversation groups where, again, you can watch a, a, a film series or something else and talk about it using some of the concepts we've discussed. We had last year over 154,000 people just in the U.S. that um, we're estimating said yes to a relationship with Jesus through these sort of conversational environments. So it's powerful. So yes, we preach. And even these different digital conversation groups, we're preaching. We're just, we're allowing the content to stand on its own. And then as facilitators, we're drawing people out through listening. And Todd, I don't know if you have anything else you wanted to clarify or add around that question. Yeah, I think we're still catching up. I mean, you know, the church, this has obviously been the year of the pivot and everybody's tired of that word, but we're still in that reality of going, how do we adapt and, and um, both prepare for eventually coming back together, whatever that looks like. And that'll look different for different cities and churches, but also not miss this moment and discover there could be an ongoing gift of this online space. And we've just been shocked, Craig, to, to realize there are some things when it comes to listening and creating space for conversation, even hospitality that can happen better digitally. I mean, you, I, I know you have been in some recent conversations about those things. What, what are some of those things that you would say can actually happen online that can't happen necessarily in person? Well, more people can show up. I mean, we experienced that. We reached uh, 35% more people through Alpha Run Through Churches last year than in 2019. And that was a surprise. And just the reality that from a, a logistical perspective, people don't have to drive. Maybe they have kids at home. Um, they can show up easier to an online conversational environment around faith. Craig, you even, even from the other perspective, from a leader, you know, you were somebody that were I, um, 
kind of off duty saying, I want to help. I want to help lead an alpha. And that's a crazy story where describe the alpha you first helped on. Yeah, I live in Denver and I just friends with uh, people at a church in Manhattan and just said, I want to, you know, jump into the heart of Manhattan here. Let's see what's going on. And so I, I helped facilitate two alpha groups in Manhattan while living in Denver. And in both of those times, you know, a handful of people in, in just my little small group said yes to Jesus after the eight or nine week experience. And I think for others, well, we, we did a, a recent study during COVID around digital evangelism, again with Barna, and a couple interesting stats. 40% of adults in America said they feel more willing to talk about religious faith in a digital conversational environment than they do in, in an in-person environment. And um, now 40% said, no, we'd rather, we'd rather do it in person. So, you know, the question many of us are asking is, you know, do we leave this digital new quiver of tools behind once, once COVID fully passes? And, and I just want to get back to the way things were. But the data is telling us there, there's a whole cross-section of our nation and, and globally that are saying, I actually prefer it digitally, a conversational. And then a third of those respondents adults also said, I feel less judged in a digital conversational environment than I do in an in-person environment. Now that's surprising too. I would have thought it's the opposite. So the idea is that there are a significant portion of some people that we won't reach in our church gatherings, or in our in-person gatherings, but we could reach in digital conversation spaces about faith. And so we might as well try, we might as well throw our nets to this sort of new area, this new mission field in order to reach people. Some we've seen even stories, people who feel persecuted either through sort of past church hurts or they're maybe Muslim or an, another world religion where they feel like I, I, I physically can't step into a Christian setting. You know, my family will disown me. And, but they can step into a digital space conversationally and explore faith. And we've had some people say us to Jesus who are experiencing that, that side of life. Craig, um, one of the unexpected byproducts of, of watching lots of communities begin to explore and embrace Alpha is it feels like it's a unique way for the church to come together. And we're just watching incredible. And that's not exclusive to Alpha. It just seems like a work God's doing right now. There's something about shared desperation that's unifying. <laughs> I, one of my favorite quotes is an Oswald Chambers quote that he just says, you know, our weakness and dependence are always occasion for the spirit of God to manifest his power. And mm. um, that's happening in lots of ways. But one of it is it's bringing churches together across dividing lines. And can you reflect... On that, because I know you're passionate about this. We're seeing this being one of the missions of Alpha is just help unify the church in this moment. But um, how are you watching that happen in this time? Yeah. Um, you know, John, uh, Jesus says, it, uh, you know, they will know you by your love and, and I pray that they may be one so that the world will know. And so much of our evangelism, we forget how important how we treat one another as Christians is to an onlooking world. 
And we also found in our study, you know, non-Christians report they'd be more open to faith. Number one, Christianity had a better reputation. Number two, if we saw churches working together more effectively. And I think of it like a middle schooler who comes home and hears their parents fighting. You know, all you want to do is just run away from that. You know, I don't want to get in the middle of that. And that, I think, is what the broader world doesn't know or see or understand why, you know, this, this split or this fight within the Christian church exists. It is like, I thought you liked Jesus, you know? And so we have to look through the lens of, of again, an outsider. Now, we do have differences of theology among different traditions and denominations, and that's okay. And some are, you know, more convinced about what are the, the major aspects of faith versus the minor aspects. But when it comes down to it, if we can seek gospel-centered unity, where we can agree on, you know, the death, resurrection, and substitution atonement of Jesus, that is the gospel, and that people can be saved by coming to know him. You know, many other items could, could potentially be inconclusive. And it's important that we have our, our sort of faith families and denominations and traditions that we can go further down the road of, of theological agreement, but we can at least partner around the gospel. And, and I think that's why, what um, number one, because it's strategic. Jesus said, this is how revival is going to happen. You know, when, when God's people are one, the world will know. And so we have to lean into this, but it's also just more effective and we can display the heart of God and, and something like an alpha. I mean, we have a lot of examples even of Catholic and Protestant churches, particularly one expression of this in downtown Chicago, running online alpha groups together, just saying, you know what, forget the barriers anymore. If we can agree on, on Jesus's resurrection and atonement, let's get people to just say yes to that and um, partner together for mission around the gospel. And we don't have to sort out all the other disagreements and they exist. Yes, but we can partner around the gospel. And that's one way that Alpha can help bring unity to a city is it creates common ground around the, just the gospel of Jesus and reaching those who don't yet know Jesus. And we're very passionate about that. Yeah. Well, as we are getting ready to come in for landing, first of all, all of these themes are explored in how to revive evangelism and, and there'll be a link as to how to to buy that book if you're interested and um, really recommend it again craig just does a great job alongside of our bonners barna study and even stories from lots of pastors across the nation of saying how do we as the church not just run an alpha course but grow in the ways that god's calling us um, to embrace those outside the church but we have had a few questions about how do we run alpha and Craig, just with a few minutes, if you were somebody on this webinar, uh, maybe pretty clued out as to where, where do I start? What, how, what would you recommend? Describe um, yeah. how you take first steps. Well, just go to alphausa.org. And um, I guess we can probably type that in the window. But it's, it's, it's honestly really simple. It doesn't have to be more than you think it should be. It's, it's also free. So we have generous donors that are that are passionate about you and your church and you reaching more people in your community that um, fund the work. So basically, you can download the film series for free um, and all the training that goes along with it. And 
we generally recommend, you know, start small, only recruit Christian hosts and helpers who, again, are um, <laughs> socially intelligent, magnetic personalities who have friendships outside of the church that you would entrust any non-Christian to spend an evening with and you real and you feel like, yeah, they're not going to, you know, shut this process down, but they'll generate a good conversational environment and just try and launch, you know, and you do it in sort of sets of small groups, you know, how can I get sort of eight or 10 guests to join? And if you can get 20 or 30, then you have two or three different small groups that can be happening all at the same time, either on zoom, or if you're in a situation where you can open up to sort of mid-sized groups in, in your local church environment, you can do that. But just go online, alphausa.org and click on run alpha. All of it's right there. Um, and, and, you know, the idea is run it a handful of times because with each iteration, people are going to understand a few more comfortable with it, understand how to do it. But the alumni from that previous group are so fired up. They're going to think I got to get my other three friends to the next one. So it's this sort of domino set of um, friends invite friends invite friends invite friends over time. And it really is just creating a new front door for your church where some invitations to those outside of the faith can go straight into the church service. Some are more appropriate to have this sort of conversational environment about faith. And again, some Christians who are equipped are just going to close the deal and lead people all across the line of faith in Starbucks, which is great at least whenever Starbucks opens again. Yeah. And it's, it's good for me to remember Craig that, um, you know, we know many flourishing alphas, you know, particularly pre COVID, but even digitally that engaged hundreds, sometimes thousands of people, all of them started with a few and started more off the radar. And so what you're giving is just permission to get started. Um, it's, you know, particularly if you're a church leader on this webinar, just to grab some friends, the right kind of leaders, grab some space. There's a beautiful comment uh, that was made in, in the chat window. It says, digital lends itself to Luke 10 outreach. Find a house or a digital community, fellowship with them, build a relationship, meet needs, point them to resources, go deeper in relationship, and then tell them the good news, reason for our hope. And and I would just add to that, and even as we close, and then let God show up and do what only God can do, because so many of the stories, I mean, the vast majority of stories we hear coming out of Alpha about life transformation have in some ways to do with God visitation. God showed up, and mm-hmm. we've seen in these digital spaces, God wants to show up. And I, I'm just going to ask Craig, if you'd close our time and just praying for anyone that's gathered here in this digital room, we want to remind you there is a link both to Exploring Next Steps with Alpha and um, checking out how to revive evangelism. But Craig, would you lead us in a time of just receiving from God as we close? Yeah. Lord, thank you so much. All that we're talking about is you. It's the gospel's most beautiful thing ever that you took our place, that you rose from the dead, that we can be saved as we turn to you. And God, we long together that we can know this truth even more deeply in our own lives. And we long that uh, so many people in our communities will come to know this. Help us be better, Lord, at, at sharing your faith. Help us to be better at loving those who are lost or feel lost to come to know you. I say right now, you know, come Holy Spirit. We invite you, your presence. If there 
is an encouragement or a conviction that you want to give some who are listening right now, Lord, put that in our hearts and minds. If there's a face, a name, bring those to the surface. I just get the sense that there are some who have felt deeply discouraged, almost angry at um, what has and hasn't been working in evangelism and and it's caused some to uh, give up, to turn away from, to or or just give less energy to. And uh, so, Holy Spirit, I ask you right now: Would you re-encourage? And hopefully, there are some some encouragements today that there there are ways that we can do this. And I, I think of the disciples standing on the shore say master we've tried all night long and we caught nothing you know we're tired it didn't work and jesus saying you know go back out one more time and cast your nets into deep water and lord give us the courage of peter in that moment and said okay because you say so jesus you know we'll cast your nets out there one more time so lord give us this encouragement we love you, and I thank you for everyone on this call. I ask your blessing on their life and their ministry, and may many come to know you, Jesus, as a result of this conversation. Amen.